Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And here we are, Friday. So maybe this is the end of your week. Maybe it's the middle. Maybe it's the beginning. But either way, I'm so glad that you're joining me. And I'm loving this week. I've had a really good time doing this week when we've talked so much about unleashing your potential and, you know, stop playing it safe and and things. And today we're going to really talk about stop working so hard. You're worth more than you think. So I want to really encourage you to listen to the the shows earlier this week if you haven't been able to listen. If you're just joining in for the first time, I'm so glad that you're part of this community. And I hope you continue to listen and send the shows to your friends. We are really getting the community of believers and the community that we are interacting with to be healthier, stronger people that actually impact the world in such a positive way and such a powerful way. And so I want to open up with this verse. Um, This is 1 Corinthians, and it's chapter 2, verse 9. But I'm going to read 6 through 10. And this is out of the Message Bible. And I just really like the way that it's written as to how it really embodies a lot of what we've been talking about. And so it starts with saying, We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. But it's not popular wisdom. The fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that will be out of date in a year or so. God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. We don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined as a way to bring out his best in us. Long before we ever arrived on the scene, The experts of our day haven't a clue about what this external plan, this eternal plan is. If they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life on a cross. That's why we have the scripture, this text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagine anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. But you've seen and heard it because God by his spirit has brought it all out into the open before you oh yes you shaped me first inside then out you formed me in my mother's womb I thank you hi God you're breathtaking body and soul I'm marvelously made I worship in adoration what a creation you know me inside and out you know every bone in my body You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. And that's 
the famous Psalms 139, 13, and 14. Is that remarkable? So up here, it's talking about God has determined a way to bring out the best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. That's, that's 1 Corinthians. And then we have Psalms 139, where it says, Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I lived one day. This is the God that is with us. This is the God that sees us. How he does that and free will is a mystery, but I just know it to be true. So we can trust this. We can trust that he knew us before we were formed. Then he created us. He says we're beautifully and wonderfully made. He has not changed his mind. And he won't. We don't always act beautiful. We don't always act wonderful. But that doesn't mean we change God's minds about us. We are of great value to him. So I want you to think about this. And I know that you can probably relate to this in some way. You know, I'm sure. Haven't you ever felt less than or like you're not enough? And have you ever felt like you never meet the expectations of anyone around you or yourself or God? Maybe you're constantly striving. You're exhausted. You're always living the quote-unquote, if only, then. You know, I, I've lived that way many times in my life. Well, if only... Then I'd be okay. Then it would work. Then I'd have money. Then I'd have a job. Then whatever the then is. If only I achieved the success, got the promotion, reached my goal weight, found love, whatever. Then I would be valued. Then I would be worthy. Then I would be good enough. So we get into this mentality, which is very much from the enemy of our soul, who gives us a false sense of control that we somehow can alter God's design for us. Now, we can abdicate. We can simply quit. But God has really purposed it. It's kind of like having a really, it's kind of like having a Ferrari, but not driving it well. It doesn't make it less of a Ferrari. It still is a Ferrari. Whether you take care of it, whether you four-wheel it, whether you busted up so badly it doesn't drive, it's still a Ferrari. So you want to think about that there's this tendency for us to try to, to get involved in these control issues that says, you know, if I do this, then this will happen. If I have this amount of money, then I will have this amount of acclaim or, or acceptance or respect. If if I look a particular way, if I weigh a particular, if I'm a particular age, if I have a particular amount of education, then. Now, you know, some of these things walk themselves out that way. There can be a cause and effect. But if you l remember the show we did yesterday was about all these people who either started very late or had innumerable failures before they became these amazing people that changed history. And so we don't want to look at what it is always in the moment, because that can change. What we want to go to is that internal part of us where God lives in us and say, why me? Why am I here? What am I doing? How, help me understand how I'm made. Help me get in line with your plan. So I do what you have created me to do, not what I think I should be doing.
So we're always thinking these thoughts. We all do. Those thoughts certainly have haunted me throughout most of my adolescent and my young adult life. And certainly being adopted, I, I've always had this feeling that I wasn't good enough and that I had to prove that I was worthy of love and acceptance. I had to, to justify why I was on the planet. Yet all that striving and trying to be quote-unquote enough on my own led me absolutely nowhere. In fact, it got me so far off of who I originally was it was it was even less effective than if I would have just done nothing. So I was on a spinning wheel, you know, trying to measure up to the world system and, and valuing performance-oriented behavior, which means I'm only as good as what I do. You know, and that system requires that you show people who you are and what you can do in order to convince them that you have value. So I have to look a certain way, act a certain way, have a certain type of car, live in a certain neighborhood, you know, physically have the body I'm supposed to have, whatever it is, the education, and then maybe I'll get the acceptance that I want. I'll get them to value me. And so I have to have the right job. I have to look a certain way. I have to drive the right kind of car. I have to build the illusion that I have it all together. And none of us do. None of us do. So it's deceptive, you know, because for a while you might feel that you're successful and valued from the outside. Like you may be getting a lot of kudos. You may be getting a lot of affirmation. But the problem is, if you don't keep that up, it's not going to last. And even if you do keep it up, trends and fads come and go. People may change. Because it's this elusive feeling that I actually can control the outside world. I might be able to affect the outside world on different moments or different occasions, but I can't control it. So you, you feed on you end up feeding on accolades and the compliments and measuring, you know, these measuring sticks of your success. But the problem is it's never enough because if all you're doing is what we call performance-oriented behavior, that I'm trying to gain worth and value from how I perform and how I look and what I own and who I know, that's a very tenuous foundation. It's shifting sense. So I will never get the feeling of confidence, the feeling of being settled, the feeling of just being okay. That regardless of what happens to me outside of me, I'm still going to be okay. I'm still very valued. Even if nobody sees it from any given day to the next. See, the truth is, performance-oriented behavior is a trap. And it keeps genuine fulfillment just out of your reach. And Satan loves it. He loves it when you're that horse following the carrot that's dangled in front of you. When you keep thinking it's just out there, just around the bend, just the next town, just over that next mountain, and then. It's the if, only then. If I have this, then I'll finally be happy. Now, I experienced some outward success in my younger years, but I struggled with a lot of stress and a lot of disillusionment. And the fruits of performance-oriented behavior, though it was nicely dressed up with the trappings of success, it was not fulfilling. I was left feeling more driven by anxiety and compulsive behaviors. And I immeasurably, I was immeasurably wor worse off 
than when I had begun. And I felt lost and very far away from my purpose. In fact, I didn't even know I had a purpose at that point. So what was amazing is I'd finally reached the end of my own capacity, my own abilities. And I stepped off that spinning wheel and I took one step back to God. And I didn't even know I was running from God. I really thought I was trying to be a successful person. And I was being, I was a young adult. I was in my, you know, under the age of 30. And I really thought that I was taking on the world and doing what I was supposed to do and chasing the dream and, you know, trying to be responsible for creating a life. And so I really thought I was doing the right thing. I didn't realize I was running away from God for so long. I thought about him. I went to church. I even listened to Christian music. But I didn't really ask him, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Why did you create me? I was more invested in what seemed like obvious talents and abilities of mine, and those were the ones that I, were gonna, I was going to make happen. So after running away from him and running from him, I really offered him my life, and I wasn't even sure if it was worth anything anymore to him. I really felt small. I felt really messy, very imperfect, very unworthy. Things were not working out for me in my best attempts. And I'm a pretty tenacious person, and I have a lot of energy, and I was burning out fast. And I see now in retrospect that God really was letting that happen, and he was letting it happen sooner than later, which I'm very thankful for. So I, I thought surely I had messed up my life and the purpose with my own efforts, and I couldn't even comprehend that it was me that was of enormous value to God. I really thought it was what I did and what I could offer him and how good my behavior was. I didn't realize it was me. It was just me. So it turned my whole world upside down. The moment I realized my own inherent value, everything changed. It turned my world upside down. And as I began to comprehend my own value, I came to understand how God thought about me. It was very humbling, very humbling. Now, I have to tell you, this is not a static issue with humans. I comprehend this and live in this more often than not. But I'm probably, as a fallen human, never going to be able to completely walk in it 100% of really recognizing that God just values me. And it has nothing to do with whether or not I do the right thing, the wrong thing, perform well, add to his kingdom, whatever it is. Walk out my calling. It's hard for me to comprehend on an ongoing basis that all those things, they're great, they're wonderful, but they're not always where true value lies. And so he chose me. And he chose to create me, just as he chose to create you. And that's why I read that Psalms 139 out of the Message Bible. We see David beautifully depicting God's ever-present interest in us. He searches us out. He knows us. He sees every action and lovingly how he created our innermost beings. He chose us. And David exclaims in that Psalms 139, it's in verse 6, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me. He can't even take it all in. 
Well, I know that's how I feel oftentimes. I can't even take it in. I can't believe God would love me that much. We, we are incredibly loved and valued. And that's how God feels about every single person that's created. And he is heartbroken when he loses one. So when it comes to this whole idea of really not trying so hard, I just want to be who I am. And if I'm willing to own me, own my own life, live my own life, and not be always looking to the left or right, thinking that somebody else is doing it better, or I'm doing it better than them, or they're doing better than me. If I'm willing to just say, God, I just need to do the life you gave me. And if I do what you planned, ultimately I'm going to be far more fulfilled and happier. And I'm going to let go of whatever worldly things, even though they may be good causes, if they don't fit what you have created me to do, I'm not going to put time into them because they always lead me astray and exhaust me. So choice is the biggest components in love. When you choose to love someone, that's much different than feeling love. See, it's easy to feel love, and it's easy to, to stop feeling love because it's all circumstantial in many ways. But it's another thing to entirely choose to love. See, from love comes the subsequent valuing of something or someone. God thought about us, wanted us, chose us, and acted on that choice. There is great value in this understanding. The valuing of something is always indicative of the effort, the time, the sacrifice, and the price applied. The belonging to. The determination to be sought out and to be acquired. That's how we know when someone values something. Is there effort? Is there time spent? Is there sacrifice? Is there a price? Are they sought out? That's how you know you're valued. That's what God did for you. And God wants you more than anything to take that in, let that germinate, let that grow, because in that process you will find out why you are here. And what the point is. And it may be the very thing you're doing. It may be that you just need to accept that that is what it is. And not constantly looking for something else. It may be that he just takes what you're doing and adds more to it. As you get more confident. Or prunes a little bit of it. And hones it. It may be that he has something completely different for you. So when you think about this statement that there's no greater love than he who lay his life down for someone. See, there's an even greater truth about his love is that we are guaranteed value. We have guaranteed value. And we talked about that last week or two weeks ago. Your guaranteed value cannot be earned or revoked. The words guaranteed and value touch on the idea that humans have two very, very important emotional and psychological needs. The first one is to feel they are important, to feel special, to feel they have worth, that they have value. And the second most important psychological and emotional need is to be able to depend on these feelings as true. 
that it's true. It doesn't change with the weather. It doesn't change with my behavior. It doesn't change with my performance. It doesn't change with how the world sees me or feels about me. It's guaranteed. I have to feel important and special that I have worth, and I have to be able to depend on that being true. This is why God reiterates over and over again throughout the Bible how valuable we are, that we have great worth, and we can believe this with complete uh, confidence. So on the contrary, our world establishes value based on what you do, what you know, how you look, what you own, how much money you have, and what value that has. And that value can fluctuate as easily as the stock market changes from day to day. See, God's economy doesn't work that way. He created us and knew from the beginning of time what purpose he had for us. And he's willing to put forth the effort to bring his vision to completion, to commit to the process, to know there's a diamond in the rough and it's of great value. That's you. He's not depending on us to ensure our own value. The creator, the purchaser, the committed one, always determines the value of the object. See, I, I'm reminded of Philippians 1.6. It says, He who began a good work in you will carry it out until completion. See, when he thought us and then he bought us, he knew what he was getting into. I mean, what a relief. That has really helped me over the years to recognize that he knew exactly what he was getting into. And he did it anyways. So we can relax and simply follow him, trusting that he will complete the work in us. So God's not fixing us up to make us valuable. He's fixing us up because we are so valuable. So I'm going to say that one more time. God is not fixing us up to make us valuable. He is fixing us up because we are so valuable. See, as we begin to fully understand who establishes value, that's the creator, the purchaser, the committed one, that's our God, we know that nothing else matters as far as our true value is concerned. See, our value is intrinsic. It doesn't come from anything we can do or create. It originates from the creator. We're made in the image of God, and that instills value in and of itself. So though we sin, our mistakes and blunders are seen through the eyes of love, attachment and belonging. And our sin, though it's grievous to him, because he knows the consequences and it's not reflective of our value or our authenticity, he doesn't lose value. We don't lose value. Our sin does not affect our value or God's love for us. It only affects intimacy. Many times the sin is what creates the intimacy issue, that I can't feel as close to you as I'd like to because of what you did. That doesn't mean I don't love you. If you have children or pets, you know this very well. They can do things that, oh my gosh, cause you to not want to be around them, but it doesn't mean you don't love them. So I want you to really take this to heart, that God saved you by his grace. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift. It's not a reward. It's just a gift. And God loves you. And he's doing new things in you that he planned to do from a very long time ago. So I want you to recognize and know that you can relax. 
He really likes how he made you. He's really happy with the design. And he wants you to enjoy it just as much. So have a blessed weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. I look forward to it. I want you to have a great day. God bless you. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.